0: It is a time of legend. The galaxy is in flames. The age of knowledge and enlightenment has ended. The age of darkness has begun.
1: Greetings and welcome to the seventh episode of the Fires of Betrayal podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to discussing the various games set in the Age of Darkness, as well as all the lore that surrounds them. In today's podcast, I'm joined by returning guests Brandon, AJ, and Will. The topic of today's show is a long discussion of Brandon's Titanic's event that he ran in Dallas a few weeks ago. I kind of want to briefly add here that I'm aware that this podcast is being released quite a few days after its normal Friday release date. Last week was finals week at my high school. We're now off for the summer, but that final week is always so busy. I've got so much extra work to do that I wasn't able to find any time to get the show edited in the evenings. But it's all good. I've now got the whole summer off, so I've caught up. The show is out, obviously. You're listening to it. And the next few podcasts should all come out at the correct time. So all that said, I'm going to turn you over to the main part of the show for our fantastic conversation about Titanicus and a little bit about the recent Horus Heresy releases. So yeah, we'll get going today. So joining me today, we have uh, AJ, Brandon, and Will. Huge thanks for you guys hanging out this evening. Uh, we're here to discuss uh, Titanicus, mostly Brandon's great Titanicus event that he ran in Dallas last weekend. But before we get there, uh, we've got a few... Other things to talk about? I think we'll start by talking about the pre-orders of Heresies it was announced a few hours ago. Looks like we've got the new book. Anyone got any initial takes on the pre-orders for next week? Book and the uh, Vindicator?
2: The the Vindicator looks fine. And, you know, looking forward to the book. I saw that the, the new characters that they teased at Warhammer Fest are also coming.
1: Yeah, and the Forge War drop, which is... I'm glad they're all coming out, As long, along with the uh, demon assassin type guy from... Ages ago, it felt like he was teased,
3: and the Despoiler kit is, is finally coming out as well as uh, I think this is the last set of the Contemptor Dreadnoughts or second to last set. Yeah, I think uh, that's all of them.
2: Yeah, it's nice to see this. I'm I'm just a little bit surprised, I guess, that you know they te- the quick turnaround on teasing those those two characters and then getting them out.
3: They're, they're going to be timed with the book, and I, I am kind of surprised the book is coming out now, but at the same time. I'm not all that surprised because next month is going to be the new edition of 40k, and that's going to suck up all the oxygen in the room for June, probably July, and a chunk of August. So it's it's either get it out now or get it out like September.
1: Well, they said in their um, roadmap that they were all out in spring, and well, we've got like three, four weeks of spring left. So true. It's now or never.
3: Well, and that again goes back to why it's now or September because. I'm not, I'm going to be honest I don't think we'll see anything other than a few trickle releases for anything other than 40k and maybe some AOS stuff over the summer it, it's going to be almost all 40k over the summer so we'll just be prepared for that
2: Well I think that new Lancer is going to release in short order after 10th edition drops
3: Right cuz they're probably going to have a tie in with it for 10th edition
1: Yeah I- I suspect it'll be the week after the box sets are released. So they'll do a two-week pre-order, then it will come out on release weekend, and the week after that, I imagine, we'll get the Lancer.
3: The one thing I I would like to touch on briefly that uh, isn't directly heresy-related, but is still kind of exciting, is the uh, made-to-order for uh, some of the 40K characters, uh, because some of these are either in Mark VI armor uh, or like, for example, the uh, Blood Angel's captain is in Indominus, which, you know, nominally we have Indominus in 30K, although you'd have to find a way to, you know, uh, as is either Tartarus or Cataphracti because technically there isn't a Praetor in that. Yeah. But a lot of these are fairly readily convertible over, you know, with a little bit of work, much as we did for Mark VII for years, uh, relatively con- uh, easy to convert over and are very characterful. For a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, legions, so this would be actually a great opportunity to get some good characters in there too.
1: Yeah, I mean the one I think of particular note and the only one I'm tempted to buy, oddly is Sergeant Tellion, who's the one in Scout Armor. Yeah, because we're short on good hero models in Scout Armor, and the temptation to build a Recon Company is always in the back of my head.
3: And uh, well, Brother Carbolo is going to be your apothecary for Blood Angels uh, if you're ever going to do an apothecary for Blood Angels. So, I mean, but even like the Dark Angels Company Master, it uh, would require a little bit of work to convert, but would be a glorious Dark Angels character.
2: Yeah, I've got my eye on him. Possibly just a head swap and then shave off some purity seals.
1: Yeah. I also do want to note: document the community article was fixed rather quickly when it was released they had a different list of plastic mark that were available for the despoiler kit i think it read mark 2 mark 3 mark 5 and mark 4 it now says mark 3 mark 4 and mark 6 so i think that may have been a typo more than a yeah
3: originally they said 2 3 4 5 and 6 so now it just says mark 3 mark 4 mark, 5, uh, mark yeah, it,
1: originally it was
2: they has, had excluded mark 3 um. yeah but I'm, I'm inclined to think it was just a typo. Um,
1: yeah, I, I, was, I was... One of my comments somewhere reckoned that, you know, perhaps they were going to list Mark VII as it being usable by, because, yeah, it's a Space Marine arm kit, so...
3: Well, it was... Uh, I saw a lot of people speculating, of, oh, this is suggesting that, and this is suggesting this, and I went, no, my, uh, my money is on uh, its uh, Warhammer community writers being Warhammer community writers.
1: Yeah, and putting something together in a hurry the night before they head out. The only thing I'm going to say is I've been flicking through the article and I've been looking at that demon assassin model and realizing that I probably can kit bash one of those out of some of the old uh, obliterators. Yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be about the right scale.
2: Um, Oh, at the risk of going off into a tangent here, which I want to avoid. Do you guys, I don't know what it is, this Vindicator siege tank to me, I just prefer the 40k one. I like that big dozer blade on the front. What do you guys think? This one's a little it, too minimal for me.
3: It, it's just personal aesthetics, one way yeah. or the other, to be honest. I, and-
1: I like it. I wish it had a big Dozer Blade. <laughs> like, I think I think it with a huge Dozer Blade would be best of both worlds, but it doesn't.
3: Uh, I'm not going um, to... I can't really have an opinion one way or the other, because there's no way I'm buying it, because I'm sitting here on my hobby desk, just to my left, is two different versions of the old second edition uh, Vindicator. The old long barrel one and then the one that was the more common short barrel one. So I've already got as many uh, Vindicators as I'm probably going to need. So.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll buy one eventually. I never got one from Iron Warriors when I played Iron Warriors. So I've like, yeah, the tank I love but never collect.
2: Yeah, I've I played against one. Uh, and Granted, it was in Night Lords recently, but I was like, oh, cool. Vindicator, Spartan, taken care of.
0: Okay, so I think that's enough about new releases or pre-orders. There is one thing that I wanted to bring up for the pre-orders. It's just concerning the actual Siege uh, of book. It kind of surprised me with, with the pre-order article that they're not doing a black book treatment for this one when everything before now has always had that black book. Like, we got the black book for the actual core rule book, but it kind of seems odd that they didn't do the campaign book as well.
3: And, and for clarification, when you're talking about this, you're talking about the limited edition? Yeah. Libra uh, uh, Stardace and Libra Hereticus and Core Book that were bound and stylized in the old Forge World Black Book style. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, That
1: I hadn't even thought about it until you mentioned it earlier, AJ, and I'm, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting problem, because I, where is it? Because I'm sure there are a lot of collectors who want the books in the same format, but this is, you know, standard Games Workshop lack of consistency.
0: <laughs> it was just, it was a thought that I had when I was looking at it, going like, oh, great, the book's coming. Where's the black version of it? And then, oh, I guess they're not doing it. That's odd. I
2: am only upset about that. I, I don't buy limited edition style books from GW because I don't feel like play, paying double the price for the same book usually. But the only reason that I'm a little bit disappointed in this is because I have not been impressed by the quality of the binding of the regular Libras and Core Book. I, I, you know, had the books for less than a year and the pages are starting to fall out, get loose.
1: Uh, so it, it would be nice to have that kind of more quality. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be paying the, spending the entire week debating whether I'm just going to get the electronic version. Because, uh, like, 90 t- 90% of the time I'm doing any reference material anyway, I'm checking the electronic version. Well, and these books aren't exactly light.
3: And, and that's actually uh, the one thing that they did in one of the editions. I think it was 7th edition, maybe. That I that I really think that they should go back to, and I would have loved to see them go back to for Horus Heresy, is when you're dealing with the uh, core book, they broke out the hobby book, uh, broke out the hobby section, lore section, and rule section into three separate books, so that when you were actually running around with playing the game, all you had to have was the, was the rule book, which made it so much lighter than carrying basically a textbook. Like I think some of my AP textbooks were lighter than these core books.
0: Oh, gosh, yes,
1: absolutely. Um, in fact, I've got a textbook I brought for my master's degree, and it's lighter. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's, while I'm on the subject thinking about it, is that the 40K books all come with codes these days for digital version and we still haven't got that for heresy, and that bugs me a bit.
2: Yeah, well, uh, that's got problems in of itself that I don't want to go into here. Oh, but... yeah, no, I
1: mean, there, there are plenty of problems with it, but, like, there isn't even the vague attempt, like, if I want both versions, I'm going to be i dropping close to, a, if not more, excessive. Anyway, let's start talking about Titanicus, what were the main topic today. Before we go into talking about the event, uh, we've had a lot of releases recently. Um, it's where I'll confess and say I have brought none of it, which is a bit of a shock. None of it's really inspired me to go out and buy it. I wasn't sure about the new book, and the weapons are just... I'm not in a stage where I need weapons for my Titans right now, so I haven't. I know a few of you guys picked up some of the stuff. Anything interesting
0: in the pickups? I just bought the campaign book for the sake of having a collection. I mean, I don't, didn't need it, but um, it's nice to have. If you've already got the original campaign books, then you really don't need it unless you're on a Crusade Legio as the updated rules, but that's about it.
2: Yeah, I also picked up the book. Um, I'm on the other side of the coin, though, that I did not have all the original campaign books, so that was the reason I picked it up as well.
0: I also bought a second open war deck. Um, For the reason of having a backup, the one that I have right now, a primary, is rather dog-eared and torn, So it's got a lot of mileage.
1: Yeah. At some point, I need to sit down with that book and look at how they've changed the custom legios. I get the feeling that it's going to be a while before we see community... Adoption. (laughs) Yes, that's probably the word I'm looking for. Um, Yeah, community acceptance may be another good word for it. A third set of rules in three years is a good way to have people not the current set of rules <laughs> it's like okay so before we get on to talking about the event down in dallas last weekend i just want to do a quick check-in on sort of people's hobbying uh, this isn't a full like oh what are we doing hobby show but we're doing i'm sure most of us are trying to work because there are events all over the place uh starting with me i'm sort of focusing pretty heavily on getting my army together for the memorial day pyrex event but i've been informed included in the description of this show will be a link to another Meant to Pirates, which is going to be down in Dallas on the 3rd of June, which I'm kind of keen to get to. It's probably going to be the same list I take up to Kansas City with me um, if I can keep myself away from my militia. Since last time I recorded one of these podcasts, I have got like all my militia out. Um, I've got all my militia out and I've put together a 4th Lehman Russ and I've got 120 infantry together. And um, yeah, so I have a problem. And it may be the fact that I'm collecting a militia list now. So anyway. I'm still working on the same flame as I was working on. Anyway, um, anyone else got any hobby updates type things?
3: So I'm I'm going to a Furex event, but I'm not going to the Memorial Day one. But I am going to be going to the uh, the one on June third here locally. Uh, the important distinction there is the Memorial Day is a bit is a large scale event. Uh, that's a three day event. The one on June third is just going to be a single day event. Um, if you're in the area or or can drive to the area, great, come out, but, uh, this isn't going to be one of the bigger ones. Although we do have another one for Ferex coming up, uh, in, uh, August, which is the Texas open. That'll be another big three day event. And I want to get some practice in with my list on the June 3rd event in preparation for the Texas open. Uh, but I wrapping up, I've, I've just got, uh, some shading line shading to do on uh, the Predator I'm working on, a few detail pieces, and then uh, weathering. And I can finally have that done. I just got in the uh, bits to do my custom Praetor and Cataphracti armor and my Warmonger. Uh, So those two characters done means the entire list will be done, and I'm excited. But at the pace I paint stuff, I've got three weeks, and I'm not sure that I'll get done in time. Uh, partly because I've been distracted by the new militia list came out and listening to uh, Derek on Radio Free Istvan. Uh, I have knights that I've had for a while. I've got House Raven knights, uh, but it's not a full 3,000 points. So, you know, I'd have to either build some more knights or supplement it. And his talk about using militia to supplement sounds like a great idea. And I took his idea, turned it somewhat into my own, and have been playing around with lists to make a house guard for my. House Ravens out of Militia. So that'll be my big project as soon as I finish these models for the Fyrics uh, events.
0: I've been working on uh, fleshing out my Audex manacle or Legio. Everything's mm-hmm. done tabletop ready, but it's like the little details that you just add to it bit by bit. And so that's where I'm at. Mostly playing with gold trim. <laughs> Definitely trying to get up to the city
1: at some point to uh, see them on the table again.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. I can run an entire. Um, Mana is six with nothing but claws. So this will be interesting. Um Brandon, are you working on anything?
2: Yeah, I've actually I've taken a bit of a break from the Age of Darkness, uh at writ large to avoid, you know, some hobby burnout. And I've been working on some of my middle earth uh stuff. I'm attending a tournament in July for that. So I've been painting uh Med of Minas Tirith. Nice. That's a
0: good change.
2: Yeah, it's nice nice little change. Um and then once I finish that tournament in July August will be a mad dash to get find a three thousand point list I like and get it painted for Warzone Houston in September.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Warzone Houston is like my goal. Once I can get the Kansas City event sorted, I'll run that list at the for three Pirates events this summer, and then it's going to be all about the Warzone Houston first. Mostly for me, it's the Mega Battle because I don't really want to take a of infantry. So
2: yeah, I'm I'm still waiting on. You know them to come out and say you know are they what what's their what are they going to allow what are they not going to allow things like that. I also um, I got came into a little chunk of fun money for myself um, in the past week, and so I'm looking for potentially a big block of plastic or resin to spend that on. So I might uh, get myself a Lord of War um, just to supplement just for fun.
1: Okay, the only other thing I want to talk touch on before we're Moving on to the main event is talking about some community events that are going on soon. We've got, obviously, we mentioned the Amber Strand and Midwest Conquest. If you're listening to this on release day, you've got like a few days before the tickets stop being sold. That's going to be on the 26th to 28th of May. Uh, obviously, we've got the event up in Dallas on the 3rd of June, the Operation Vendor Pyrex event. And then I've also been mentioned, it's been mentioned to me that there is a Heresy event by some associates of the show on Sunday the 4th in Colton, California, for a casual heresy event as well in SoCal, which sounds pretty fun. You got anything to add about any of those, Will?
3: Uh, I don't know a lot of details about the uh, SoCal event other than the guys running it. I know are really good guys. I've met uh, a couple of them at uh, some of the uh, national and international events I've gone to. Uh, one other event that I would like to shout out, it's a smaller event, uh, but it. Uh, you and I uh, went to when uh josh ran it previously is out in uh tyler uh josh is going to be running another event out in tyler texas um, unfortunately i'm not going to be making that one because i'm supporting the the Fyricks event on the same day uh, they're both on june 3rd but uh, if dallas is a little bit too far for you say you're coming from louisiana or arkansas uh, but uh, tyler is close enough might be worth it to to take a trip out to tyler yeah
1: absolutely it's a Solid event and great game store. They run out of there, but I too will also be going to the Dallas event. I like Tyler's an okay drive for me, but it's extra thirty minutes on Dallas plus it's all highway, uh, interstate highway rather than country highway, and that makes a huge difference for my brain power when I get to the event. Okay, so that said, uh, let's talk about my last trip to Dallas, which was the what was the title of the event? Uh, The Doom of Molek. Doom of Molek. It was just the Doom of Molek. Yes, for the Duma Modic event we had in Dallas um, last weekend. It was, I saw with my perspective of it, we'll loop in to talk through missions, but I'm going to sort of say at the top, for me, it was a really fun event, uh, marred with my worst ever drive to Dallas. So uh, to get down to Dallas for where I am, it's a two and a half hour drive most days. It took me three hours, 20 minutes this time. And it was, yeah, it meant I showed up and I wasn't in the best. But that said... We had three rounds of fantastic Titanicas action with three custom missions. Um, I presume we probably should start there. So, um, Brandon, do you want to talk about the actual missions you decided on running?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we had kind of discussed on an earlier episode of the show kind of how we wanted these these missions to look, and I kind of took what we had discussed there and uh, just adapted three of the missions out of the Doom of Molek book. Um, the first one. Uh, and I, I centered them all around uh, the city of Lupercalia. That way we would kind of have a um, a cohesive narrative as we rolled through the day. Um, and that narrative being the the kind of the last battle uh, on Molech before Horus heads down below and uh, makes his deal with the dark powers and becomes the champion of chaos. So um, the first one we had was the, the Lupercalia Vanguard. And what I did was I took, you know, the same the scenario of the same name out of the, the book. Um, and I changed a couple of things. One, I added a different objective out of the match play guide for traders and loyalists, and allowed the uh the princeps to choose which one they they would so choose. So for loyalists, they had defend and extract um, out of the match play guide, and then for traders they had salt the earth. Um, those were the two that they could they could take. But I kept the special rules giving the loyalists artillery bombardments and the traders having to move towards the edge, towards their opponent's board edge. Um, I also messed around with the deployment um a bit. this was the this was the only one I actually got the opportunity to play test just due to time constraints. And uh, we found that it was definitely leaned a lot more towards the loyalist, um, especially if they were allowed to um, Deploy first, um, or, or sorry, if if they were allowed to go first. So I, I gave the traders a D10 on the initiative.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun event. Uh, we'll talk through our experiences of it in a minute, but I just want to say that was a the actual mission for this one was pretty well received. Pretty simple mission, but did pose an interesting dis- a tactical decision, at least the traders having to decide whether we were going to go for one objective in the deployment zone or try and get all of our typhoons in. And because the speed that's all the earth point drops, um, if you weren't playing incredibly aggressively, it was going to be very easy, not getting enough victory points to win, which was really good fun.
2: So, do you, do you guys want to talk about your experience with each scenario as we roll through them? Or do you want me to go through all of them?
1: I think that's probably best. If we actually talk through our experiences for those missions. So, for this mission, I had the fantastic opponent of Will on the podcast. Uh, so, I think I'll let Will take his experience before I talk about it.
3: So my experience uh, in the first round, the most disappointing, devastating part of that first round for me was when I had been working furiously to get uh, my models finished uh, because I realized that the weapons loadout that I had, I hadn't finished painting. So I spent all week getting it prepped and then the glue on one of the plasma blast guns broke and so the magnet Came out and uh, I spent the rest of the day with one arm down. That was just disappointing. Yeah. That said, um, first of all, I do want to say uh, your your Titans were absolutely gorgeous, Martin. Thank you. Um, so you know the fact that I got my butt royally kicked, not really that disappointing because um, it was it was fun to watch those models. Uh, granted, technically I pulled it out because I delayed you long enough that you didn't get your objective, which meant I still won. But it's a pyrrhic victory when you consider that I was completely tabled. So
1: I specialized in pyrrhic victories this week.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's that whole thing of my Titans did more damage blowing up than they did any time in the game.
1: Yeah. So I mean, for us, the you decided to stop me advancing up the table by rushing forward at me, uh, which worked really well.
3: Well, you know, when, when, the, uh, when the background of my particular Legio, because I have a custom Legio, the Fireblades, uh, when their background is they are so uh, knucking futz that they strap uh, chain bayonets to their guns so that they can run up and beat on people. I, I mean, honestly, it, I, I won't go into their whole backstory and everything, but if you read it, you'll wonder why they're not cornates, but they are fiercely loyal to the emperor. And so, yeah, they are not cornates, but to see them in action, you might think they were.
2: They're shouting blood uh, blood for the Emperor, skulls for the Golden Throne.
3: Yeah, practically. I mean, yeah, they have ranged weapons. They have ranged weapons so that they can hurt you while they're getting close enough to just beat on you, which was, was practically effective. But as I said, more times than not, uh, I was still doing more damage by uh, doing massive explosions or or having uh, magazine detonations than I ever did with any of my actual attacks.
1: So, I mean, my recollection of the game is fairly simple. All the warhounds ran towards me. All of them gained two heat on that first movement. Half of them lost their shields, which meant that I could shoot them up. But even with that, they still ended up being in contact with me, so I started. we ended up in a lot of close combats in the area just past my deployment zone. And I couldn't actually finish you off cleanly, because my close combat titans had advanced past your combat line, and because of the stupid special rule that meant I couldn't retreat, I was sort of having to turn them to shoot at you as I sort of walked towards the objective.
3: Yeah, you were having to go like a one degree toward the objective while trying to the other 90, the other 360 degrees or whatever. You know, you, you're doing that just barely edging toward so you're following the rule, so you're trying to go sideways because I'm all the way across the board from you and you need to hit me to stop me from coming over to the board and just smashing you in Yeah. Inside.
1: Um, and then by turn three, I was able to get one of my warhounds over to get the Salt of the Earth deployment. By then, I hadn't got enough victory points to win the game, despite the fact there was no enemy Titans left, which was really fun. It felt very thematic and felt like the loyalist Titans had done what they needed to do, which was stall the enemy. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed the game. It felt very thematic. Yeah, very much like the story should have been. How was your? I know you played some of ringer games. Did your game go similar to that, Brandon?
2: Yeah, um, I I played a ringer game against a guy who had never played at all before. So we were just kind of pushing titans around, having a good time. Um, I felt kind of bad because I things kind of went my way, just you know dice being what they are. And I was like, I'm supposed to be losing this. I'm the ringer, but uh, I ended up taking out half of his warhounds and then. You know, he tried, got an open shot, was running a Warmaster and got an open shot on my Warlord and just flubbed the entire roll, unfortunately. And I even let him re-roll the whole thing because I was like, you got to kill this Warlord, man. You got to get that engine kill. And he, he did it again, but enjoyed the game. Um, so that uh, definitely wants to keep playing. So uh, I consider that a success.
1: Okay, so that was round one. Uh, round two, we moved further into the city.
2: Yes. So round two was called Death of a God. In the aftermath of the Imperator's desi- demise, uh, if you're familiar with the Doom of Molech, there's an Imperator Titan on the Loyalist side, the Paragon of Terra, um, and due to the treachery of House Divine, that Imperator is destroyed. So right at the start of this mission, uh, we had an Imperator meltdown on every table, uh, which was a lot of fun, um, and then then you uh, then we jumped into the game. So the uh, the objective was the same for traders and loyalists out of the the book scenario, which was get close to that objective marker, uh, get as many titans on top of it as you can. Um, but I also gave the option of where the loyalists could keep the traders away from their own board edge, and the traders could try to push that board edge. Um, this one, I would say, the the other thing worth mentioning in this one is that the. The deployment zone is probably the funkiest deployment zone we played of the entire day, which was the loyalist deployment zone was actually split and three quarters of the board, where the trader deployment zone is tiny.
1: Yeah. It was deployment wise it was the weirdest weirdest deployment to play the whole weekend. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to add about the actual mission if we want to experience it.
3: Well, I think I think we should talk about uh what the rules were for the uh computer blowing up was because that was that was less significant than than you were expecting it to be as i could tell when you wander around asking who all was impacted by it but it was definitely impactful
2: well i i was just surprised because i think it affected me the most out of anyone which i thought was just hilarious but i'll get get into that
1: yeah so what was the explosion
2: so the explosion, it was... The, so the marker started at the center of the board, and then it scattered 2d10 in a random direction. Uh, once, the, once it had finished moving, all units within 15 plus d3 inches suffered d6 strength 15 hits bypassing void shields. Now, I had my knights, a warhound, and my warlord all get engine killed by this thing, which I thought was awesome. So I, I started the game after that with three titans, all with critical
1: damage. So for my game, I played uh, Lucas, their occasional host, on, um, with his beautiful-looking DJ Crucius. He brought his Extermagus um, Manipulse. It was just three Warlords and a plucky Warhound to make up the numbers. He deployed kind of close to me, because he could get pretty close, but still... Not right on my doorstep. That said, the scatter carried into my line, even though I had a very small deployment zone. I managed to completely nuke one of my warhounds. But that also meant the marker was on my side of the table. So everything started moving towards it. So it allowed me to do the standard traitor berserker move and run a combat reaver straight into a warlord, taking it out. or well, critically, almost critically, leaving it at basic, basically almost dead. And then we had a very fearsome second turn. By the end of the second turn, all of Lucas's titans were destroyed, um, with him nuking deliberately his own warlord titan that had walked over to the objective, that took out two of my titans that were near it, meaning that I couldn't claim the central objective, and then I had two titans left who were just in the open, so the game ended up as a draw. Neither of us achieved the objectives, despite the fact that I tabled Lucas in two turns, which was a very, very weird game, very fun. Absolute carnage and chaotic, and that's kind of what you want out of Titanicus. And it's very hard to sort of describe the the actual, like, beat to beats in that game, because we were doing so much in, like, in the movement phase, we had two engine kills, and it was, yeah, a really good game. A lot of, like, tactical moves, and ending in a draw was just apt.
3: And mine was also a draw, but for completely different reasons. So uh, we had both decided that we were going to go after the marker, Um, before we had scattered the marker and anything. So, you know, we decided we were going for for the marker. And so we placed the marker in the center of the board and scattered it. And it ended up uh, about eight inches from my board edge, but just in range to uh, completely destroy uh, one of my two Reavers because I was running two Ferox light mana so four Warhounds and two Reavers, putting me down significantly. But the deployment zone work to my advantage since mine is a much more uh, in-your-face uh force so it, it came down to at the end of the game i only had one reaver left on the board um and i had tabled my opponent and and we did it was a really really bloody fight but all of it was in his deployment zone and again the marker was eight inches from my table edge which meant none of us were anywhere even remotely close to the marker. And so it came out as a draw because neither of us ever got anywhere close to, uh, to getting to the marker. Uh, it was also one of the best games I've had in a long while because uh, I sincerely thought he was going to table me. Uh, and then because it came down to he had a warmonger facing off against my reaver. And, uh, and I was in some seriously bad shape because I'm locomotive, so I couldn't get close to him like I would have wanted. Uh, but uh, he had—he tried to push for his Volcano Cannon and activated the, uh, the Machine Spirit, which said, hey, I'm going to run over and just punch this uh, Reaver, which meant that he was now in my face, which is where I always want him. And so uh, where I thought he was going to blow me up uh, with shooting and I had no shields, he ends up running up to me, and meaning that when I activate, I could punch the crap out of him and ended up killing him. So it all came down to one die roll.
0: Sounds nice.
3: like a fun game. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was without a doubt, uh, as much as I enjoyed Martin, uh, the game with Martin and I enjoyed the game with my, my opponent in the third round, it was without a doubt my favorite uh, game of the day.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I'm in a very similar boat. That second game, despite the – it was the scenario I would say I've got the biggest feedback for, which I can probably get to here in a second. It was the best game of the day.
2: Yeah, this is definitely the one that I got the most feedback about and probably the one I would alter most heavily.
1: Yeah, I think I really I enjoyed the exploding uh, Imperator at the start. It was really thematic. And although it was annoying to lose a Titan at the start, it's a narrative event, so you kind of have to roll with the punches. Um, I did, and I told you this on the day, it would have been kind of fun to have it happen, like, at the top of the second turn. Because it kind of felt that at the start of the, start of the game we were especially the traitor players were really boxed in all our titans had to be close together because we had such a small deployment zone so if it scattered towards us we were going to lose more than one titan whereas if you had to wait a turn for it to scatter you also didn't know where to send your titans if you were going to try and secure the objective because it was going to move a long distance and i think that would have made a more interesting dynamic game where people were less inclined to do what me and lucas did and kill everything in the first two turns Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with
2: you. If I ran this again, I would definitely do it on the second turn. Um, I did get some feedback saying that the explosion was too powerful, Um, and I kind of just took that and said I appreciate the feedback, but this is, I I actually, all that I did for this explosion was I did the math that the book doesn't do, and that's the size it's supposed to be, and also I, I thought it was hilarious that you could lose a Titan or two in the top of turn one, and I ended up I lost two titans and a Night banner and I still gave my opponent a hard time. You know, I didn't have a chance to win the game, but I still gave him a game.
1: My, um, my only thought in regards to the level of damage would perhaps be to split up the, would be to have, um, damage bands within it. Like you would have for old style explosions in 30k, 40k. So you'd have like. If you're in so many inches, it ignores voids and strength 15. If you're so far away, then it's strength 10. Something like that may be a little bit nicer. Like, you still got a good chance of nuking
2: a Titan. Yeah, definitely a thought. I'd probably, in that situation, I'd probably even
1: make it bigger. That's what I say, you can make it a bigger explosion. That is oddly fairer, because it has a better chance of hitting more than one.
3: Yeah, I I will say that I, I loved the theme of it exploding. I will say that it was... It was depressing because the odds of it being mostly against one person than another, it was kind of more skewed that way, um, you know. Because it was it was fairly demoralizing to lose uh, one of my reavers right off the bat, and I was the only one even remotely in range to it to hit because it went back toward my lines. Um, but if I was going to critique the, the the mission itself, it was the deployment zones. I had no issue with the with. The way it was laid out, I just think there should have been a slightly bigger gap between the loyalist lines and the uh, and the trader lines. Because I did get a first turn charge off. Now, I also, my entire legio is stacked towards ensuring charges. And, and, you know, so that's not entirely unusual for me when I can pull it off anyway. Um, but it, it did make it really kind of hard for my opponent when, oh, yeah, um, I just got in there right away. and and i'm on you first thing and you just sort of like it kind of was the reverse demoralization. so i was demoralized because i lost a reaver before the game even started and then he's demoralized because he's got one of his reavers locked down by by a charge right out the gate
2: yeah that's that's the other feedback i really got was the deployment zone and honestly i might consider, if I ever ran the scenario, pairing that back a bit. But I will also say about your game that your game is more the exception than the rule to me, because for for the most part, in my experience, it's the traitors who want to be in close versus the loyalists. Um, I mean, I know that your custom Legio is kind of backwards in that sense, but I think for a lot of folks, if you play this scenario that way, the loyalists, if they rush the trader deployment zone, the traders would be like, "Actually, you're stuck in here with me, not the other way around."
1: Uh, one thing I will say, just thinking it through, maybe instead of having um, an explosion, we should is you could have a table and actually have the Titan fall over because that way you can put a line across the entire table, um, which may be really fun.
2: Yeah, it just depends on how much how much bookkeeping players want to do,
1: I guess. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've gone through quite a bit on that mission um yeah aj
0: anything to add the idea of the concentric ring explosion i think would have been the better option as like the third party looking in um for oh for the listeners i was on un, uh, unfortunately unable to make the event due to last minute stuff pops up so this is just me listening to them explain and giving feedback um but the the explosion being like a single point Kind of seems like I could see where people would get frustrated with it versus like a bigger kind of ring would be a little bit more thematic and a little bit more able to work with it. But that's about the only feedback I have on that.
2: Yeah, and it's worth noting, even with that concentric ring idea, there's still the entire possibility that that thing's just going to scatter straight into you and directly
1: away from your opponent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to the last game of the day, which was, I'm going to put this frankly, at this point, we were starting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was getting pretty tired. Uh, but the game turned out to be really good fun. So, um, do you want to take us through the scenario?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, that was kind of a factor when building this scenario. You know, um, I had been working with uh, with Lucas on on this, and he was very apprehensive about doing three games in a day, but I was really committed to getting three games in. So I said, okay, our, our th- these guys are going to be tired by the end of the day. I need a pretty straightforward scenario. So um, this one is called the Burning of Lupercalia. This one actually had the most special rules, but they're all optional and some of them don't even apply. So we, we ended up uh, it was the loyalists who were ahead on points at this time. So they got the ability to once per turn or sorry, once per game, uh, they could have loyalist night banners auto pass command checks. And then we included a bunch of optional rules around the city being on fire, which I don't think anybody actually used. And then the, the objectives were very straightforward. Um, both players could choose to just get victory points based off of the scale of units that they killed. However, I did throw the twist in there that knight banners, knight banners counted as double, since this is technically a scenario that's supposed to be knight household on knight household. But we didn't have any, um, and then the Loyalists also had Honor Thy Forebearers, uh, which is the one where you pick one friendly knight to carry your or, or one friendly titan to carry your banner, and then the Traders had Seize the Quadrant, um, which I think we had ended up having a healthy disposition of players choosing objectives.
1: Yeah, I can't even remember which objective I took on this one. Uh... I think
2: I think you took uh, the kill. Based on watching your game, I'm pretty sure you took the killing objective.
1: I think I did, because I think this is the object, the mission I actually won. So for my game, I played, yeah, Andrew, Ulrich who's on uh, several groups as well. Um, me and Andrew, obviously he was playing Traitor, because we played Traitor v. Traitor in this round.
2: Yeah, that was kind of the other twist as well, was I wanted everybody to have different opponents, and I tried my best to keep it all Loyalist versus Traitor, but by the third round, it hit that if I did all loyalists versus traitor, somebody was going to play the same person twice. So I had one table of loyalists versus loyalists, and then one table of trader versus traitor.
1: Yeah, um, it was, I, I appreciated this changeup. It was really fun to play a trader on traitor game. Or it ran a very similar list to mine. I was running a Corsair and Lupercal. He was just running a Ferox. And our game was really good. Um, but it turned into a bloody close... He wasn't running a Lupercal. He was running a... He was running um... a Ruptura. Ruptura, that was right. He was running a Ruptura, which was really fun to see. I hadn't seen a Ruptura in the flesh in a while. Oddly, things went wrong for him pretty quickly because I got the jump on him and was able to take one of his Warbringers out in turn one with a Leroy Jenkins-style charge off one of my Reavers, who Warp Shunted and then just barreled across the table. After that, the game became really really knife fighter like we were knocking each other's Titans out fairly frequently. Uh, by turn five it was down to like one of his Reavers and one Reaver and a Warhound for me. I was able to finally get that final kill in, and uh, yeah, it was just a really good game of Titanicus. A lot of solid positioning play was made. Um, he rebounded pretty quickly from my initial, but um, the Raptura really work well when it can knock out Titans, and as he wasn't at making the kills when he needed to I slowly just wore him down and I got those, you know, the pacing changed, as I'm sure everyone who's played Titanicus knows, when you start, the game starts going in one direction, it has a habit to swing that way pretty hard, that's what so happened
3: Yeah, my third round, I I was kind of exhausted, and we both agreed that we weren't using the optional rules Mm -hmm. Um, so, I want to give out, uh, give a shout out to, I think his name was Steven, was my last opponent, because, oh Scott it was Scott, okay I remember to begin with an S, but I'm bad with names. So yeah, Scott. So things went well for me and badly for him, uh, and it was just one of those games where at no point did it ever turn around for him. Uh, but he he uh, he wanted to stick it out and wanted to play it all the way to the end, and and I I really appreciated him for that because you know that that type of uh, gamesmanship and sportsmanship. Um, he didn't. He did end up getting tabled, but he did make me really have to work for it at the end because his objective was to keep the Bannerman alive, and he basically put the banner on his warhound and was running the warhound around and, and ducking and dodging and weaving among the terrain to try and keep me from ever getting pinning him down towards the end of the game. Um, whereas mine was uh, to uh, try and take down as many of his Titans as I could, and so I did end up winning that. Uh, But uh, yeah, he he played it out to the very end and and played it to to the hilt. And I appreciated uh, appreciated him for it.
2: Yep, I I ended up uh, playing a ringer game against uh, Lucas, which we had a we had a ton of fun with that. He I surprised him by throwing some strats and uh, the traitor move onto my reaver running 13 inches forward and shoving a chain fist into his warlord, um, which he did not appreciate. But, uh I had a good time with it, so no we had we had a really fun game.
1: That's what I would spend the entire weekend doing, um so, yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, um, guess, that's all of the game
2: yeah on on this scenario, again, i I did get some feedback that everybody kind of appreciated that it was very straightforward again, though, I don't think anybody ended up using the optional rules, which is fine. that's why they're optional. But uh, all around, I was glad that everybody seemed to enjoy themselves in this last scenario because I knew I was kind of pushing everybody to get three
1: games in. Yeah, I, I think it was. So, I mean, I, I go on this rounds with people about Titanic. I think playing three rounds in a day is fine. My biggest thought on that is really that we could have shortened up the games a bit and had some people play a little quicker. And if we weren't doing three hour because we we're doing three hour rounds, if we shortened it down, we would have probably got through the games earlier, and people may have been a bit more awake for that final game. I know that was probably my biggest, like, starting at 4 o'clock was, you know, getting to 10 hours after I got out of bed. It's not always my best time to start playing games, having driven 3 hours to get down there.
2: Yeah, and w- it it always seemed to be, we kind of just had one table that would go to time,
0: mm-hmm. uh, but
2: the, everybody else would finish 45 minutes to an hour before that, so... yeah, I I don't know, maybe if cutting a half hour off of those times would be the right call, or...
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the real problem, I and mean, it's we had a huge disparity in experience levels, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I want to say for my final thoughts about the event. So let's talk about the results. Where did we get to at the end?
0: Yeah,
2: so overall, it was a loyalist victory. That was the the overall result based on victory points. We didn't really have an award for that. I ended up uh, handing out. Uh, Lucas had found a direwolf kit uh, conversion kit to. Uh, to hand out, so I gave that away as prize to to one of the loyalist players who didn't win on uh, another one of our prizes. Which I had four prizes, which was most glory points, which was total scale killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was you, Martin, by a lot. Right?
1: Uh, yes, by yes.
2: I had I had a good chuckle of that because I think you won one game. Yes, killed the most Titans by far.
1: I <laughs> uh, uh, no one. Yeah, I tabled every opponent I played, which we will get to in a minute.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think. I don't have the numbers in front of me anymore, but Mm -hmm. I think that you, you're a solid 25 glory points ahead of the person in second on that. Yeah. Uh, But uh, so we had that we had best painted, which went to Lucas, um, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very well-deserved. Those legio crucius Titans were absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and particularly the basing I thought was excellent on them as well. Yeah. Then, uh, then we had sportsmanship which uh which went to scott who Mm -hmm. was a great sport i i was actually worried on that one since it was voted by the players i was worried we were going to have a tie and i was like i don't really have a tiebreaker for this but we did not have a tie at all he he absolutely ran away with the sportsmanship vote which i thought was great and then he also won our wooden spoon which was for least number of victory points and that one was kind of the one that I, I had the most fun with because I gave the best prize to the person who came in last. At least the best prize in my opinion. Uh he ended up he won a uh a Reaver, uh the Chain Chainfist Reaver, um, uh, which came with a eight hour paint commission from a local uh commission painter here.
1: Yeah, and he's still getting into it. He's a pretty new player, so he'll make good use of that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, that's the hope. And then everybody else as well, they got their uh entry feedback as a gift card to the to the store
1: um so i want to do some final um so for me i felt really bad going home i'm not gonna lie i had three absolutely fantastic games but i had three games where it felt like i kicked the teeth in and my opponents really hard i made the comment on the final good engine cast that i felt like i was learning the game too well and that even my games where i was trying to go casual i had a very hard time switching off and that definitely came out to play.
3: I would like to ask, how much was it your skill and your capabilities and everything versus how much was it that the dice gods were in your favor? Because I will feel like I made one one mistake in the game tactics-wise, um, which gave you the game, but less so much that gave you the game than there was very few times you couldn't roll what you needed. Whereas there was very few times I could roll what I needed.
1: The dice gods were with me, but it also helps to have so many re-rolls. Um, I brought a very... I thought I brought a list that wasn't highly tuned. It was. And it also let me take advantage of small mistakes. And it just... It was resilient. I don't know. I've had this problem with my Ignatum where I felt like I stopped playing them because they were giving me so many re-rolls.
2: Yeah, I, I, I do want to push back on you a bit here. I think you might be a little hard on yourself here because you did one you won one game
1: victories are weird because I don't who wins doesn't matter as how much you make how what you make your opponent feel and I uh, yeah I I don't know if I felt like I played had to I played a little hard and quite a few of my games I was deliberately sort of forgetting my rules because I realized I was playing really hard but I don't know um I think that's like I say that comes to the earlier point of we having we've got a lot of difference of experience in the community a lot of people showing up who are brand new to the game which is really good yeah, uh two out of those three Ringer games were people brand new to the game.
2: So I said it I said it on my podcast, Legion cast, but my my number one goal
1: of this was to grow and foster the community, and I do I believe that was a success. Yeah, I mean I I think no one I played there has played played more than, you know, a few games this year.
3: It's been well over a year since I'd played when I walked in, so I, I was constantly having to refresh myself on rules.
2: Yeah, next next event I run, I'll just make sure to line you up against the sweatiest opponents I can find.
1: Uh, okay. Think... <laughs> I'll, I'll take an easier list. Um, well, all we have to do the fantastic thing and try doubles. And, um, let's let's walk before we run. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, do you have any
3: feedback? Uh, I think my thoughts are as my uh, legio was originally written for the uh, white dwarf and uh, got really wrecked uh, when changed to the, uh, the new rules that, that came out, and I think it's Duma um, So I was really trying to s- still keep that same feel, and it kind of worked. It kind of didn't. But uh, apparently the rules for custom Legios changed again, so I'm going to have to review them and see if I can really keep the flavor going with these guys because uh, one of the things I did have was um, plasma rifling, and it came up in one turn in one game all day. So that, that was points uh, definitely not well spent.
1: I'm,
2: I'm not going to lie, I was actually pleasantly surprised that we had two Crusade Legios at the event. Well, so the other one, he ended up just using Tritonus.
3: Uh, I'll be honest, the entire reason I'm using a Crusade Legio is because the Crusade Legio came out about the time that I went, I am not painting stripes that small, because in my 28 mil scale, I've got a Reaver and two Warhounds, the old armor cast reaver and warhounds that are done up as metallica uh so when knights came out in 40k i painted up house raven because obviously and so when Deptus titanicus came out i started i was going to do metallica um and then i realized i'm not painting house raven knights because i'm not painting stripes that small i was already having enough trouble painting stripes on on warlord titans that said, I, I did kind of enjoy like what I was doing with my warlord. Was uh, his name was for whom the bell tolls because obviously, and I'd actually managed to go and find um, these little uh, like tin wedding bells and uh, put those on him for war bells because it just looked friggin' awesome.
2: I think my favorite titan named of the day was uh, a small note of disrespect.
1: Yes, <laughs> I, my uh, legio incarnum have some glorious
3: names uh, as well to- well my mine are the fire blades so all of mine are named for types of daggers and short swords and my warlords are named for the uh welsh scottish and latin names for excalibur um but the problem is 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 things are like Bogna is a type of uh, african dagger and yeah, it, it works well as a name for a titan but it also meant my opponents were like how do you pronounce that Okay, so
1: I think it's time for us to move on to the final thing I wanted to talk about, um, which is, I know AJ can come and talk about this a little more, um, where we think Titanicus is right now because it feels like the game's with the release of that final book like, done. Um, So what are people's thoughts about the state of the game? Um, I'm happy with it I think it's a, I can advise people drop, you know a small amount of money on some books and have a rule set that's going to hold up for a good amount of time. It's at least as good as, like, any of the other Abandonware games that Games Workshop have got out there without us having to do a huge amount of community fixing.
0: I'll go back and reiterate my point from a couple shows back of being, like, this: the game itself does feel content-complete in in the regard that it doesn't feel like we're lacking anything mechanically. Uh, Narratively, the only thing that I'd say, like, we could still like want to expect would be an actual like proper siege of terror book. Um, that's the last little bit like holdout that I would have. But as like on a personal note, like I love the game as it is. Like I don't feel like I'm missing anything when I, so
2: yeah. Any complaints I have are are minuscule and nitpicking at this point. Um, like for example, I, I think warhounds have a bit of a problem of you have to want to take not Vulcan Mega Bolter Plasma Blast Gun on them. And I, I, like, again, I'm getting nitpicky here, but that's is stuff like that is kind of where I'm at. Overall, I think the game's in really just a great
3: spot. I, I, I think the biggest thing is, is uh, as was said, we need a Siege of Terra book. Um, that's probably not going to be something we're going to see anytime soon, but I think it would be really good. I think the biggest thing we needed is for. GW just not forget Titanicus exists, and continue to to remind people of it on a semi-regular basis. Um, exactly how they go about doing that, not really sure. Um, but I'd like to see it happen more, because um, as as I've heard it described, is Adeptus Titanicus is the greatest uh, game GW ever created that no one's playing.
2: I guess here's a question I've got: What would a Siege of Terra book potentially bring that we don't already? Have?
1: Uh, Corrupted Knight, Uh, Leisure Honor Arum, Uh, Zombie Titan.
0: Specific scenarios from the Siege, like the Mortis Wall Breach, so on.
3: Yeah, probably also get a bunch of new uh, stratagems would probably come with that too, because that would be fairly easy.
1: Yeah, because there are, there are, there's also the web way as well. Like, if you were to do a Siege of Terror book, I would, like, I'd want to include the war in the web way. Some of my favorite Titan stories is actually all about those Titans in the web way. I could see that. Uh, so I'd like to do some, you know, you, you start with a few of those, and then you can cut to the opening uh, gambits of the Titans in the book before Mortis. Yeah, the opening of the war, then you can do the breaching rules in Mortis. And then there's the mess that is the Titan battles in the end of the heresy section, like the what's going on in the end and the death. There are some incredible Titan fights. Right
0: there in the Sanctum,
1: yeah. Yeah, in the, in the actual Sanctum itself. Um, So there's three solid scenarios, well, four solid scenarios there. There's two good ones in Mortis. I think the real question, though, is what do they end up doing with Epic? Because what we've just described would also be really good Epic games. I think Siege of Terror as an Epic game makes almost the most sense because the battles in the Siege of Terror are huge. And if you were to do a a Siege of Terror book, game series, I'd almost expect it to
0: be epic. That's a fair point. Um, especially if they turn around and make epic, that includes absolutely all the rules that we can use all of our Titan models for already. Uh, would, I'd be OK with that, because we can convert any kind of uh, epic campaign to like a Titanicus narrative if you wanted to. It wouldn't be too much of a stretch to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that's been brewing in my head since last
1: time we sat down to talk about epic is, I know people are expecting Siege of Terror for the Horus Heresy game, but every time I go back to reread any of those Siege of Terror books, scale of Warfare is just stupid. Other than perhaps the Zone Mortalis stuff, or the small-scale actions that almost a kill team level, if you're picking the individual narrative battle, the actual offenses are, you know, hideously vast. So it... It almost wouldn't surprise me that we see Epic as the Siege of Terror, like Horus Heresy, the Siege of Terror, Epic, some variation of that. I mean, I don't hate the idea. No. Um, but I also see that being the point when all the oxygen in the room for Titanicus is eaten. I would be immensely surprised to see Games Workshop still selling Titanicus material when Epic hits the show. No, I, I doubt it will. I think it will just evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, you, so you think they can keep on selling Titanicus? I think
0: that once Epic drops, Titanicus will cease to be a primary for GW.
1: Whether we see things go on last chance to order or whether they just stop
0: making it so eventually it just runs out. They'll still use all the models for Epic, of course, but it's the actual Titanicus gameplay that we're low in love. Yeah. I suspect
1: all the models will disappear after to be rebase, which would be our first inclination that, you know, Titanic that Epic is coming when they stop having the models in the web store which at the moment they're still all there but i think like I say as i say in last show i think we still got a good year for epic i'd be surprised if we see it for warhammer fest next year
2: yeah and i'm actually kind of hoping that they they use round bases for epic i know it doesn't make the most sense but i've seen a lot of really beautiful titanicus bases and it would be a real shame for that gw to come out and say okay you need to rebase all your titans
3: yeah
1: the base that was previewed uh, was a round base. It was just a thinner base. So the Titan was lower to the ground, which makes sense if you're going to have small models. You don't want the models height on the base, which is a, it's a weird artistic thing, but uh, everything's still on the web store. I and mean, most of the stuff's out of stock, but they're on the web store still. Well, I think we're sort of winding down. Um, yeah. Does anyone have anything else they want to add before we close up for the day? No, I, I do want to say... Thank you both for, uh, for
2: attending the event. And, uh, you know, again, AJ, we're sad you weren't able to make it, but uh, I plan to run more of these in the future. So hopefully we will, uh, we will see you there. And, you know, my, my dream at some point is to, to get to a, you know, full-size tournament to be run at one of the conventions here or something like that. But uh, I still think that's a long way off.
1: Yeah. um, And on that sort of note, I know I heard you mention it on your podcast uh, this week. I do think there is space for an actual match play tournament for uh, Titanicus. I know it can be a little bit against the grain at times. I'm open. I'm more open to the idea of doing it than I was a couple of months. I definitely think the community, given the way we play as a community, I think it would work out okay and we wouldn't have like a bunch of win at all costs less. I think we'll just have a really fun weekend. So I'm, I'm okay with entertaining the idea.
0: As long as we get the showing, that'll be a good event, good weekend.
1: Yep, that, that's the trick yep. right there. <laughs> and it's the sad thing. I mean, we brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It's like, you know, round robin tournaments is kind of easier to run at times.
3: I will say I would like to see uh, Titanicus incorporated into events a bit more. Um, one thing that I did back at Wargamers Camp. Uh, several years ago before COVID um, is we had two day, a two-day uh, 40K event that built towards the Titanicus event such that um, I had 28 mil scale representations of some of the stratagems from like the uh, uh, command bunkers and things like that um, that I'd made for the 40K thirty uh, event. And so as people would capture them and hold them, it would influence that on the third day, we we ran a big AT event. And uh, if the loyalists had captured certain uh, stratagems uh, in the 30K event, they could get those for free on some of their tables in the AT event. And it actually, it, it went fairly well. In fact, Martin, this this particular event we talked about on the show the, the event I ran previously in the Shadow of Titans. Uh, in the Shadow of Titans was actually in, uh, largely inspired by the re- event that I ran at uh, Wargamers Camp, uh, which had a different story to it, but a very similar feel on, uh, on what was happening was the, the Titans were battling around you, and, and we were building toward the AT event as the Titans would close on the city.
1: So I, I will add that, me and Lucas have talked about trying to make the Titanic as a horror series. When we're able to pull the trigger on that, I can't say, but it's definitely stuff people are talking about, and I hope it will happen before the years out.
2: Yeah, and again, at the risk of going off on a tangent here, uh, a couple weeks back on your episode about narrative, I do I think that that actually makes a case for why why there should be a tournament style competitive setting because it separates the players out who are looking for that specifically versus the players who are not looking for that and you don't have to worry about that mix ideal.
1: Yeah, um and I I sort of touched on it last episode in my closing section. I did have a wonderful message from a gentleman um who've been trying to separate the terms narrative and tournament or competitive into two separate things. You can have a competitive narrative game And then you can have a win-at-all-costs tournament and a win-at-all-costs narrative game. They're two separate. They aren't, you know, it's not like you go one way or the other. They're all separate values. Um, And it's up to the community to decide, you know, how we operate in the space. We can have a tournament and it not be, you know, bring gotcha lists 3,000, but, you know, lists we will play and both people enjoy. So, which is, you know... When people talk about problems with tournaments, it's the gotcha list. it's the list that are they're designed to find bad play experiences and capitalize on them for the opponent, not benefit the opposite um the words just come from my brain to capitalize on a weakness and win a, win unfairly. I think you can you can have a community that has a tournament and people show up and play earnestly and play with grace and honor and I think we can do that with Titanicus because the community is playing that way at the moment so um Okay. I think with that, though, uh, we will close it up for the evening. I want to say thanks for all of you joining me for the last hour, thereabouts. Um, we will be back a couple of weeks to talk about something new.
0: Anyone got any closing comments? AJ? Well, for everybody listening, just keep on playing and spreading the joy of the game. You know, usual.
3: If you can't make it to any of the events that we've just shouted out, uh, make it to your own events and... I go out and have fun because that's the most important thing is is uh, being with people, having fun, enjoying the hobby.
1: Absolutely. And uh, go and check out uh, Brandon's podcast. It's fantastic.
2: So- yep, I was going to shamelessly shout that out, but thank you very much.
1: Huge thanks to Brandon, AJ, and Will for coming on the show. I had a great conversation with them there. And a massive thanks to Brandon for putting on the event that caused the conversation to occur. Next week, I'm off to Kansas City for the Amber Strand at Pyrex Incursion event. I'm going to have a really good time going there. I know I am. And while I'm on the road, I'm going to do some interesting things. I'm going to try and record a show on the go. We're going to try and grab some interviews from my opponents as we play. I'm going to try and talk about the event when I can. I'm really looking forward to the weekend and doing a bit of an audio blog as we go. And that will come together with some interviews To make the next show. The show after that, I also want to put a quick note out, will be our summer special, a deep dive into the Siege of Terror books. It's going to be spoiler-filled, we're not going to pause spoilers. If you're in the process of finishing those books, this is a good way to hopefully get you to pick up that book and get it finished. If you're not reading them yet, um, yeah, just once again, it will be a spoiler-filled show, so when it comes out, there'll be lots of notes, but I just—I don't want to be that guy who spoils it. But I also want to really talk about the books. So anyway, it's on the way. And I think with that, we'll say goodbye, and I will see you all in two weeks.
0: Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcatcher of choice, and we will see you in two weeks. If you have any questions for the show, please email us at firesofbetrayal at gmail.com or reach out through our social media accounts. or at Deserve to their respective owners. Until next time, we wish you all good fortune.